Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Rahil Siddiqui, who recently lost 180 pounds and is now a motivational speaker. And he shares his story to help others live happier and healthy lifestyles. Hey, Rahil, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, can you expand a bit more on that and let us know, you know where you are right now and the kind of people that you're looking to really help and, and, and change lives with? Sure, no problem. Yeah, so uh, my name is Raheel Siddiqui and uh, just lost 180 pounds, went from 405 to about 225, give or take how much water I have in the day. So <laughs> just <laughs> outside of Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, I had just recently decided uh, beginning of this year in 2023 that I want to become a motivational speaker. So I do, uh, you know, sales, cybersecurity sales for a um, cyber company here. But my goal is to really be a motivational speaker to help people on their journeys for overcoming obesity, um, health and wellness, um, increasing their fitness and letting them know, you know, whatever challenges you're going through, I've been there, I've been through them, and it can be done. And I'm living proof of that. Um, and I want to be able to share my message and my story to everyone out there to give them hope. Oh, man, that's that's fantastic. So tell me, tell me more about how this started. So uh, what I know, it's, it's been a long journey for you. So where, where do we start? How do we how do we bullet point this in? Where, where did it first start? And how did you find yourself going through this, um, this amazing transformation? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I guess it started from birth. I mean, I was overweight pretty much like right out the womb. So <laughs> I've always been battling obesity my entire life. And, um, you know, I went through what most most kids probably went through, you know, the bullying, the fat mm. shaming, body shaming, you know, I went through that abuse. And then you know, as I got older in life, um, the weight just kept coming on. I was just very ignorant in terms of, you know, most kids, they just don't, you know, um, some, I don't want to say everybody, but, you know, most kids, they just don't have the education or the resources or just the, you know, the actual awareness to know how much damage you're doing to your body, you know, and I guess over time, high school, college, the weight just kept coming on. And then, um, you know, when, in uh 2010 january that's when it really started to hit i was 27 years old and i think what really hit me the most was my father was battling some health issues at that time himself Mm. but he noticed that i really ballooned up and he was like man like we got to go to the doctor because i never went to the doctor since high school at this time when i played high school football so from high school football to uh 27 years old that's about 10 years 17 or 27 i i mean i really ballooned up an extra 100 and some pounds so went to go visit the doctor 
and, you know, it gave my blood work in. So we were going to the doctor to get my physical results. And I think this, I'll just never forget this moment. Um, the doctor comes outside and with my results, has a folder, starts flipping the pages in the folder, takes the folder, looks at my dad and I, throws it on the counter. And he's like, it doesn't matter what these papers say. Your son's going to be dead by the time he's 40, unless he changes his ways. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess, you know, the, uh, I'm going to give you a one star for your bedside manner. <laughs> so then my father and I just looked at each other like, what? Like he didn't go over any of the results, nothing. He just said he's going to be yeah. dead. He, the way that your son's going right now, I looked at my dad. He's like, please talk to him. Please knock some sense into him. He's 405 pounds. Everything is mm. through the chart right now. 40 is just forget about it. You know, you'll be lucky to even get to 35 at this point. So he did. So I guess that was kind of it. Literally that short and that sweet. So then I remember driving back. It was a cold, rainy day in January at that time. And my father made me stop the car. He's like, hey, pull over, pull over. I was like, why? He's like, just pull over. And I remember him looking at me right in my eyes. And he was like, listen, you know, um, I need you to take this seriously. I need you to make a promise to me. I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, you need to promise me you're going to take care of your health. Like, and I'm thinking like most kids think about their parents, right? I'm like, you're just being an annoying parent. He's like, no, listen, I'm running out of time here. Like, I'm not going to be around to see you get married. I'm not going to be around to see any of my grandkids. And uh, I think my brother and his wife were having their first child at that time. Um, you know, I think they were pregnant at that time. But he's like, I'm not going to be around to see any of my grandkids. I'm not going to see you get married. You're my youngest son. He's like, you still have time to save yourself. So please promise me you're going to take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. And I still was like, whatever. And, but he wouldn't let me go home. He wouldn't let me start the car and physically go back home. So I was like, okay, I promise, I promise. So we did that. And then I tried, you know, on my own, you know, started going to like the school gym or, you know, the, the fields down the road from my house, but nothing seemed to keep working. But then March later on that March, my dad had a procedure where his, uh, or he had an issue with his liver where water would start leaking out of his liver. And what happened was that they had to drain about 30 to 40 pounds of like water fluid that was built up all over his body. So I remember, I remember it so clearly because my memory is like insane like that. But I remember when they did that, um, I asked the doctor, I was like, Hey, can I go back and see him? The doctor was like, yeah, sure. So I went back to go see him and, you know, he's finally waking up, you know, from his uh, procedure. And I was like, is everything okay? And all he said to me, nothing about him. He was like, he's like, look at me. He's like, what are you waiting for? You know, like, what are you waiting for? He's like, look at me. He's like, I told yeah. you I'm running time here. You know, he's like, I need you to get going now. Like, please, he's like, there's something holding you back. Please get started. Please get going. So I was like, man, like, this is just crazy. You know, like I I'm thinking in January, he was being crazy, but in March, I'm starting to see his body really start to deteriorate. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, wow. So then that April, I remember a few of my friends that joined the local gym uh, by my house and they were like, Hey man, like, you know, we had joined this gym and they never really asked me because they knew how kind of lazy mentality that I had at that time. Mm. But I feel like they might have been planting a seed in my head subliminally. Like, hey, man, we're joining this gym. They never asked me, but they were like, we're joining this gym. So then I was like, OK, maybe I should start joining. Maybe I should just join. Because so, I was like, this might be a, the perfect like, you know how they say timing is everything. Yeah. So I was like, OK, well, this happened in March. My friends are joining gym in April. So I was like, OK, you know what? I'm going to take a leap of faith, you know. And the one thing that I tell everybody, the hardest step in life towards anything, any goals that you want to hit in life is the first step. So I feel like if I could do this first step and join this gym, um, you know, I think everything else can, you know, the stars can align. So I joined the gym and then what happened was they had this team weight loss class. So I was like, okay, I'm a perfect candidate for it because I need to lose weight. So I had joined that gym. And I'll never forget it. 
Mark, I remember going up the gym, you walk in, but then the, you know, the uh, actual physical gym was upstairs two floors. So you had to walk it. So I remember walking up the, that flight of stairs. I was so out of breath. I, I was like, literally, I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest. I was like, oh my God. And I remember the first day of class, everybody had to go up on the scale and announce their weight. And my trainer, I was the last one. And I begged her, I was like, please don't let me announce my weight. Please don't let me announce my weight. She was like, look, I promise you. She was like, you're going to hate me for this. But when it's over, she was like, you're going to be thankful because you're going to remember, damn, like, look at how far I came. And she told mm -hmm. me that on that day. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was in tears crying. So I said, yeah, look, 405 pounds. And everybody kind of looked and stared. They're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, you know, um, looking back at it now, she was right because now, you know, because of how far I've come, you know, just so proud of the progress that I've made. So so then the rest was kind of history. I joined the gym and then that first week. Um, you know, I had some great traction and then, then started becoming an addiction. And I was like, okay, after that first week, I lost a lot of weight, a lot of weight. But the thing is, you know, when you're, well, and people who, who have, who have dealt with the heavy weight issues, you'll know it's much easier to lose weight when you have a lot more to lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you're 405 pounds, you're literally just walking across the street and you're burning weight. So I think that first week, you know, I, the class was three days a week. But then I was like, okay, after the first day, I was like, well, I was like, this is okay. Let me just start coming on my own. And then, I remember I did like that first week, three days, and then I had lost, mm. I think maybe a few pounds, but then I was like, okay, what happens if I just come every day? Like if I just come in every day and that second week I had lost thing about like 20 pounds. And like, that's when like the light hit. I was like, Oh my God, my shirts are getting looser. I'm feeling better about myself. I was like, man, like I can finally, I was like, I think I can do this, man. But I had that support group. I had that support system. I had, you know, um, that class to get going. And then, you know, my father really supporting me too. And on um, the rest was just history. And I think people don't understand, man. Like I sacrificed a lot. I mean, like I didn't hang out with friends on weekends. I didn't go on vacations anywhere. I was like, you know what, dude, I'm just going to dedicate one year. My father was like, whatever support you need, I have for you. Like emotionally, you know, financially, whatever you need. He was like, because he was so hell bent on getting me on the right path. He's like, I'm here mm -hmm. for you. So, he was always like, you know, I always tell people like, he's like my legacy. So then I guess fast forward a year later, um, in July of 2011, um, you know, we were at my cousin's wedding and I finally lost my first 150 pounds. But that week, um, I always, you know, consider myself a wall breaker. So, you know, you know how they say every, you know, nothing's ever easy in life. You know, you got to keep working it. So working at it. So I remember we were at my cousin's wedding in July and, um, my father was getting really ill at that time. And then lo and behold, um, he actually ended up passing away, um, you know, in the hotel room during my cousin's wedding. And he passed away in my hands, you know. So I oh, was man. like, man, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So it was really heartbreaking. So, you know, we went through that pain. And then that same week, I actually ended up blowing out my lower, um, you know, I had a herniated disc that I blew out in my back that same exact week that he had passed away. So I'm like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. So. You know, they always say like, you know, sometimes in life you take one step forward and take two steps back. Well, that was my two steps back, you know, like right there. I lost my father in my hands and then I had a, you know, injury to my lower back. So I was like, oh, my God. So um, that happened. And then, you know, but at least I was on the right path, though. At least he got to see me lose the weight. He got to see me committed. And, you know, I'll never forget him always saying, you know, just, you know, you promised me, you know, now don't ever let up, you know, like you got to stick with it. So I feel like he was gone. What do I do? But I made a promise to him, so I'd stick with it. So even with my herniated disc, I kept trying to fight through it. Fast forward to 2016, I did get married to my wife, um, you know, which was amazing. And, uh, you know, so I've been kind of up and down 
with my exercise. I've been consistently exercising, but that pain, I just was, you know, I had that fear of like, okay, you know, I heard horror stories about getting back surgery. I didn't really know. So I would just do band-aids like, um, you know, shots and like rehab mm. physical meds, but nothing was working full heartedly. So my weight was fluctuating there for quite some time, but I did meet my wife. We did get married. And then lo and behold, another wall, which is very hard for us. But, um, you know, we tried to have a child the first few years, but because of my weight loss um, or whatever, my journey, and it's not confirmed. I mean, the doctor just assumed it, you know, we were trying to have kids, but the doctor said, you know, I think because of your weight, that could have been a reason why, you know, you guys are having trouble having kids. So we had to go through in vitro fertilization and, you know, that was just very hard. You know, it's very hard on a couple, especially, you know, emotionally and financially and physically and mentally. It was very yeah, hard. Yeah, the ego plays a part there as well, doesn't it? Sorry? Yeah, the ego plays a big part with that as well and in, in questioning right. yourself. Right, right, right. Because then I'm like, well, and I asked the doctor and I was like, well, it was either be dead at 40 or save my life and not have a child. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, my options here are going to suck here, you know? And she was like, look, I'm not saying that's for sure, but she said that could be a reason why we tried for like a few years but then but then she was like well, you, you got to go in vitro there's no other way so we went through mm -hmm. that process and so we went through that process we got the three embryos the first embryo lo and behold was my son so he's the greatest gift of all time so we had him which was great and then we tried a few more cycles and they kept failing and then they kept failing they kept failing i got married when i was 34 my wife is three years older than me she's 37 so we had started this journey um you know i ended up being 37 and my wife was now 40. So obviously, you know, the biological clock was, was ticking on her, especially us, but more than her. So we had our son, but then we tried a few more times and her body just took such an emotional toll. And without her, I mean, like I said, she's the ultimate warrior because without her, I don't know, like we would not have my son obviously here today. So, you know, that kind of chapter we kind of had to put behind us. And I know deep down, it still hurts. I know that in her heart, she wanted more. Um, children and god willing unless i get some news that we are you know good that, i mean that'd be a miracle but at this point i feel like we've been trying to transition to our minds that you know let's look at the glass half full not half empty you know we do have our son and he's the greatest thing in the world to us and we work so hard to take mm -hmm. care of him love him and cherish him so we're a family of three and we're just kind of moving forward with that so you know very excited to have him there so we had him um, November 11th, 2019, which was great. And then I guess at that point, I made a promise to myself again to be like, look, man, I, I got to make sure that, you know, I stay healthy. Like, you know, what can I do to better myself? So then I'll never forget it. I was going to work in Arlington, Virginia, right outside of DC, um, right at the end of December. Um, finally, after my paternity leave, I went to tie my shoe. I stood up and I started screaming in pain. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, I had a second bulging disc in my back. So I'm like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. I was so, it was so in pain. I was screaming so loud. I had to call my boss from the garage and be like, hey, she was like, hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? I was like, yeah, I'm at work, but I'm in the garage and I can't come upstairs because I can't walk. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, what happened? I was like, I don't know, but I was like, I gotta, I gotta get home ASAP. So I messaged my doctor. I was like, hey man, I gotta come in and see you. Like, we got to, we, something's not right at all. So then lo and behold, you know, he checked it out. I had ended up with two bulging discs. So he's like, we got to go to operation like right now. So, and if we don't go to operate, I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously I was scared, but I was like, okay, it's either literally mm. live in pain or be in a wheelchair in six months or try to get my back fixed. So I had that fear, but lo and behold, January, 2020, literally a couple of weeks later, maybe even a week later, honestly, I ended up getting my surgery. And I'm telling you, Mark, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because 
from when my father passed away from my first disc injury all, all the way to 2019. I mean, I had gained some of that weight back, probably like about 40 to 45 pounds, like just because like of the sheer, you know, I just didn't have that explosiveness. I couldn't work out pain free every day. I was pain because, you know, yeah, and then it, became it takes its toll emotionally and physically on, on your body, just consistently being in pain, right? Oh my God, 100%. I'll never forget it. The day of the surgery, I, I remember that I saw this older gentleman in there and I told him about my story and he was like, dude, he's like chronic pain. He's like, it's like an abusive relationship. You keep telling yourself it's okay. And, you know, they didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. She didn't mean it. But he was like, dude, he's like, you got to fix it. You know, if you're in an abusive relationship, you have to admit there's a problem and you got to go find the solution. And I'll never forget that advice that he gave me. And it was great advice. And he's like, that's the problem. You know, you just learn to accept it, but it's, it's not okay. You know, he's like, you mm -hmm. can't live in pain, especially as you're, you were in such a young age right now. So I got that done. But again, kudos to my wife. Like she was there for me. You know, it was just like this, the surgery was successful, brilliant surgeon here, got referral um, through my wife's friend who's a physician too. So she referred him to me. So, and then I'll never forget it. Like, so, you know, then the rehab became just walking around all the time, you know, just trying to get my, you know, um, get my motions back, whatever like that. But after the six week mark, uh, I remember I went to go to my doctor and he's like, all right, man, he's like, your full systems go just unleash it, like all of it. And I feel like that's when the light like really hit and man, I've just been a monster ever since. Now I'm in the greatest shape of my life. I'm down, I think like 16, 18 waist sizes. I'm down five, five and a half neck sizes. Um, all my blood work, all my physicals. I just did it right now. Came back amazing. You know, my doctor said you're as strong as an ox right now. So I know, you know, if my dad's looking above, you know, he'd be proud, you know, and uh, it means a lot. Man, fucking hell. Now that's a story. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Hey, dude, it. thank you for sharing. Wow. Um, I, I want to sort of go back and dissect a couple of bits there because um, I don't want to interrupt you, but crumbs, there are some amazing aspects to that. Um, the first thing that's screaming to me is, I mean, you say you get, you'll get your ass kicked all the way through that. And you you joked about the doctor with the, the bedside manner. I think that's one of the best things that guy could have done. We joke about it, but putting someone at choice saying, there's no there's no fucking point doing anything. Look at you. You'll be dead by 40. That was probably him giving you the biggest gift you could have. You could uh -huh. say it was the right thing to do, the right way of doing it. But if it's what you needed to hear to be able to start to spark something, first in your dad, but in you, I applaud that guy for that. Um, Thank so, you. Uh, don't take that the wrong way, but it's like that, that way of communicating is huge. So she said that too. I remember I was telling my wife's best friend about this too. She's a physician also. And she was like, you know what, dude? And I remember talking to her with an angry voice. I was like, man, that guy, I said, that doctor really pissed me off. That really pissed me off. She was like, you know, he might've pissed you off, man, but that was probably the best thing that he ever did to you. Because look, you still always remember that. Like that was the day where maybe that seed was planted. Like that was not even maybe that was the day where in your head, you were like, holy shit, this is for real. Like, this is for real. Now it's real. You know, like, whatever the yeah, case no, was. There was no sugarcoating. There was no sugarcoating. Right, it right. cut through all the BS. But like, what? here's the state of play. What do you want to do? Holding right. you. I still don't even know my results from that exam. I don't even know what my blood pressure or I guess <laughs> he never told me. He's like, it doesn't even matter. He's like, you're going to be dead anyway, dude. I'll, there's no point if I can tell you what your sugar and your cholesterol and your, I mean, that's the crazy thing. I never even knew. He never even told me. He's like, it doesn't even matter. So, yeah, I guess looking yeah. back at it 13 years later, you're, I agree with you and I agree with her. And I, I think you guys are spot on. I, I can't agree more. Like without that, I, I don't I don't know if I'd be the man I'm he, I am here today. Yeah. And another thing you mentioned, yeah, the, the leap of faith, the first step is always the hardest. It's what we call the, the first barrier. 
first barrier is the first hurdle. Oh my gosh. How can you overcome this first hurdle? It's always the most terrifying. It's always the hardest. Um, Those steps up to your gym, that was your first hurdle. That you could have given up at any point. That could have been enough. But um, yeah, to hear your perspective on, on pushing through that is is fascinating oh i appreciate it i feel like you know i'm just so driven like every morning i wake up i just have like that fire in my heart and that smoke in my chest because so many people used to make fun of me so many people used to doubt me and i just use that as fuel like i don't know i'm, I'm sure you heard of david goggins but uh you know he's like one of my favorite favorite speakers and i remember one of the best reels that i ever heard what he said and it hit me so cold like i still get goosebumps he's like look honestly he was on a show with Joe Rogan and he was talking about it. He said, he's like, look, honestly, you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and hold yourself accountable. The fact of the matter was, man, I was fat and I was lazy. And he told Joe Rogan, he's like, look, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're fat, you're just fucking fat. If everyone's calling you fat, you're fucking fat. If people are calling you dumb, you're fucking dumb. But he was like, at the end of the day, you have to hold yourself accountable. Like at the end of the day, if they're calling you that it's because you are. Don't cry about it. You know, don't sit there and sulk about it. Do something about it. And then Joe Rogan was like, well, what do you use it as? And and then Goggins said back, you got to use it as fuel. And every day I wake up now, when I look at people who used to make fun of me and insult me, people my age, like friends and family members, you know, and 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 I'm a father and I'm older, so I would never, ever disrespect anybody. I would never take shots at anybody. But I promise you one thing, two things that I... I know that I shut them up one. And number two, I know that they would trade places with me in a heartbeat. You know, Mm -hmm. karma is undefeated. You know, like I always tell people, man, like don't bully anybody because at the end of the day, it's going to come back and and haunt you. My point is that a lot of those guys used to make fun of me. A lot of those kids that used to insult me. I still know a lot of those guys and a lot of those guys. Let me just jump in there with that, with the karma comes back. You know what? It's, it's more, it says more about them. So when people are taking the piss, when they're making fun of you, um, chances are there's something in themselves that they're scared of. There's something that they're seeing. There's something that terrifies them or reminds them. So to be able to use that as, again, it's not just, I I see your angle and it's very focused on using it as fuel, breaking boundaries, move forward. But it's also how do you be able to work in and really focus in on the, I think the emotional side of this as well, that duality of what you've been through, how you've been able to overcome it, and your continued, I think, as you progress, your continued evolution into the emotional side, the mental side, right. that is where the, the goal truly is. And I think empathy comes in from uh, an abundance from you as you come into being the motiva- motivational speaker, the coach that you're going to be and how you're able to help so many more people going forward. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Mark. Yeah, it's just everything. It's like, my, you know, I told my wife, my wife was like, man, like, you know, she was like, you're so motivated. I'm so proud of you. I was like, I don't think I'm even motivated now. I'm just so driven. You know, I'm so dri- like every morning I get up, I'm just so fired up. Like I still remember those moments in my life and all of it, you know, from mm. being made fun of to, you know, um, you know, I had a really close friend in college and, uh, you know, I was, and I, I, and I cared about her a lot and more than a friend. And I was afraid to tell her how I felt because I looked in the mirror and I was like, Oh, I was like, dude, I'm so disgusting. If, if, if I can't take care of myself and I look like this, why the hell would a girl want to be with me? You know? Yeah. So I feel like just all those emotions, but then the biggest factor is just my father, you know, like, I mean, he literally was always in my ear. He was always kind, you know, soft-spoken guy. He was a pharmacist. So he was in the health industry. I worked with him as a pharmacy tech in my college year. So, 
I just feel like everything that's been everything I've been through in my life, man, like I feel like I'm just always been doubted. I've always had walls in front of me and it's like, I just can't ever stop. And when people tell me, you know, people joke around with me all the time too. Like, Oh man, but look, you have nothing else left to prove. I'm like, you know what, dude, I tell people I have nothing left to prove, but I have everything left to prove. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just jumping there where you are right now with your business, like this, is the next evolution, what you've been through this whole backstory, your, your life experience, that is so big. It's time to package that because now as you go through this evolution, you said, yeah, you're a month in, you know what you want. You know where you want to be to leave corporates ethically so you can still care for your family and care for your kid, but right. be able to then actually use your gift that you've been given right. to, in your whatever bubble it's going to be, change the world for right. those hundred thousand million people, right? Right. Right. So where no. are you using this? Where are you using this um, passion? But also, where can you see this, the same kind of fears and doubts come in as you start to make these steps into what you know is going to be your area of, of greatness? Yeah, sure. No, I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm so much more confident in the process. I think for me, it's just a matter of making sure that I am talking to the right kind of people. I want to be able mm. to make sure the audience, my niche of people that I reach out to that it resonates with them because I'll tell you what, 13 years ago, the old Raheel, there was no social media at that time. I think Facebook might've just started, but there was no Instagram. There was no Snapchat. Mm. On top of that, there was no, I feel like I, the, the number one reason why Mark, I really want to get into this is because I know that there's a guy out there who was like the old Raheel and the old Raheel 13 years ago needed the Raheel now. Like, you know, I, I want to talk to that real 13 years ago who has that doubt, who has that fear, who is scared to take that first step. But, you know, there is nobody. They probably don't know that an average person can go out there and lose 175, 180 pounds and still stick through it and been through everything that I've been through, broke down every wall that I broke down and still continue to break down. You know, I want to be able to share that with them. And I feel like, you know, when you're looking at celebrities do it, that's great. But they're celebrities and no disrespect to them. But it's really hard to compare yourself to a celebrity when, you know, majority of them, like that's their, their, their job is that is to like consistently work out, exercise, look good on the screens, look good on TV. And that's kudos to them. But I want them, I want them to know that I'm just an average kid from Long Island, New York. I was born fat my whole life. I was broken down my whole life. Like girls didn't like me. People made fun of me. You know, I was insulted. I was fat shamed. They would be like, take your shirt off, shirts and skins as a bro code, right? You would always hear shirts and skins. They'd always pick on me. Be like, all right, man, well, you got to go skins now. It's your turn. Now it's like, you know, that fire, that drive that I have, I want them to understand and know that, you know what, man, I've been there. I know what it's like. I, mm. I know what it's like to get so tired to even bend over to tie your shoe, man. And you know? there's, there's the difference when you can build that connection, when you can build those relationships based on authenticity based on yeah. true life experiences, you can talk to people in a way that other people can't. Other personal trainers are pretty great in their way, but they haven't gone, some people have, but a lot of people haven't gone through the exact same thing. You get to find yourself in a, in a beautiful little niche where you get to talk authentically about exactly what you've been through. And yet it's not gonna be for a billion people, but for those that are going through what you're going through, you can if you can play this well, if you can stick with who you are, not get sidetracked by all the 
squirrel syndrome and shiny objects and life hacks right. and ways right. to, to market. If you can right. stick with your authenticity, yeah. you're going to talk to their soul. Now that's, that's big. That's huge. And oh my gosh, I wish you all the success as oh, you move into this, this exciting phase of, of your life. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, it means a lot. You know, it means a lot. Like I said, I feel like, you know, my message, my story, what I've been through, it's, it's raw, it's authentic, it's real. And, you know, I know that it can help a lot of people. And I want, and again, my, at the end of the day, no matter what problem you're going through in life, I guess the bottom line is whether it's weight loss, whether it's, you know, career goals or, you know, kids or whatever, I mean, whatever the situation is in your life, like every problem has a solution. The, 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 the key is, man, or do you have the courage to go find that solution? You know, I think that's the biggest, the biggest message that I want to give to everybody is the fact of people are just too scared. They're too afraid of their own capabilities and they let their own fears dictate their lives, man. But, you know, only, you know, the beauty of your own story is, man, sometimes we can't control our own story, but you own the pen. You can rewrite it. I, I did it. I'm living proof of it, man. And I want everyone to know that, you know, I want everyone to know, man, you can, you can rewrite your own story. It's up to you and you alone. Forget everybody else, man. Forget the doubters, forget the haters. Forget anyone else trying to hold you back, man. At that point, it's like you're in a you're in a game, you know, and you're and you're facing the away team. The greatest players, what do they say? They just block out the noise, you know. They just block it out like no one's even there, you know. Hey, man, I, I want to just and go back to what you just said there. It's, it's all part of the game. This whether you're struggling with relationships or health or business, mm -hmm. it, this is all this is all just a game. It's all part of the game. You can either be the problem or you can be the solution. And everything exactly. goes back down to you. You took control of things that you could control. All those other things you didn't give attention to. So it's right. about the focus on what can you control and how you can use and leverage it. So, hey, Raheel, thank you so much for your time and sharing all, all this stuff. It's been, it's been incredible. Thank you. If people want to find Benny. more about you um and um you know, learn from your story and, and reach out for help where can they find you oh uh, yeah sure um you can reach me on my email that's coach rahil siddiqui at yahoo.com and then my facebook handle is just rahil siddiqui r-a-h-e-e-l last name s-i-d-d-i-q-u-i -D -D -I -I, and my instagram handle at rahil the second so r-a-h-e-e-l-t-h-e -E -E -E, the number two n-d rahil the second because I like to call myself 2.0. <laughs> so, oh, man. I love that. That's pretty cool. like it. Hey, again, thank you so much for sharing and thank you for your time. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much. It means a lot. Hopefully, we can stay connected and, uh, you know, appreciate your time and uh, you know where to find me. You're welcome. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, we ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.